Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Oh, come on. I think we can make a little bit more noise today on Father's Day. Y'all doing good today? Good, good. Amen. Well, hey, my name is Michael Page. I'm kidding. My name is not Michael Page. My name is Justin Abercrombie, and I have the great privilege of preaching to middle and high school students. I serve as the central student pastor at our campus in Statesboro, and just so, so excited to be here with you today. You know, I haven't been here often. I know you're looking at me like we've, we've never met. If we've never met, I would love to meet you a little bit later. Again, so excited to be here. But, you know, it's been a little while since I have been here at the Pooler campus. You know, the last time that I was here, you were still having Sunday evening services. And, guys, just look around for a minute because this room right here proves to me that God is doing some amazing things in and through your campus. Amen? God is moving in a mighty way, and I know that he is already moving today. And so just so excited to come and to share the word with you today. Of course, as you know, today is a special occasion. Happy Father's Day to you. I didn't get to see the hands raised. If you're a father here in the room, would you please put your hand in the air for me? Awesome. Guys, we just want to honor you today, and we just want to thank you for all that you do, all that we see and all that goes unseen. I am so grateful for my own father, and he is not here today. He's actually in my hometown of Cordell, Georgia. Anybody ever heard of Cordell before? Yep, that's right. Y'all don't let the skinny jeans fool you. I'm from South Georgia. All right? Let me guess. When I walked out here, this is not the voice that you expected to come out of this, right? Southern accent. We are all family. Amen? We're all right here, but y'all, happy Father's Day to you. You're going to call my dad as soon as I get out of here today. But, you know, even though my father is not here, so thankful for each and every father here in the room, including my future father-in-law, who is here today, Mr. Marlin, so, so grateful for you and so, so thankful for being a spiritual leader, not only for your own family, but for me. You know, I tell people all the time that the very first time that I sat down with Mr. Marlin and I asked him for his blessing to date his daughter, Katie, who is now my fiance sitting right down here, he just blew me away and I knew that I was talking to a man who was going to be a permanent spiritual leader in my life. And so, so thankful for you. My heart goes out to you as well today, those of you who have lost a father. Fathers, we just want to honor you and thank you for all that you do each and every day. You know, last night I was watching a sermon or some kind of presentation by J.D. Greer. Anybody familiar with J.D. Greer? He's my favorite. I know Brittany Smiley loves some J.D. Greer. I love J.D. Greer. And Pastor Greer was talking about this. He says he shared an interesting t statistic. Excuse me, I'm going to get it out one way or another. He shared an interesting statistic, and that is that there is a 93% probability that if a father follows Christ, then his family will also follow Christ. Isn't that incredible? Fathers, do not underestimate the influence and the prayers that you pray over your children. I am a product of a godly father, and so, so, so thankful for each and every one of you today. As you now know, we are walking through the 412 reading plan each week, walking through a passage of Scripture together, and I am so excited about that because what's so cool about the 412 reading plan is the thought that our entire church, Big C Church, not only here in Pooler, but also in Statesboro, Millen, Vidalia, and Dublin, that we are all reading the same passages of Scripture each and every day and hearing from God. That's pretty cool to me. Is it cool to you? I love the thought of that. And so today we are starting a new book, and that is going to be the book of John. And now, John is such a beautiful gospel, and I am excited to share with you what God has put on my heart. You know, to be completely honest with you, just in preparing for this message today, there are a couple of different feelings that I've been feeling. 
And one of those is complete inadequacy. To look at the Gospel of John and just to ask God, God, how in the world can I share your word with your church today? Especially this one, one that is so beautiful and deep, but at the same time so difficult to understand. That's the first thing that I'm aware of. But the second thing that I'm aware of is this, is that it is his strength that is perfected in my weakness. Amen? That it's his strength that's perfected in all of our weaknesses. That God has a plan and a purpose for today. He's already moving in a mighty way, and I know he wants to continue to. Amen? He is going to move today, and so expectant and excited for that. You know, those two feelings that I just shared with you, I feel like A.W. Tozer, who is a well-known pastor and theologian and really prophet, he shared this when he was preparing to walk through the entire Gospel of John with his church. He said this, he said, it is going to be a pleasure to expound this book, but a sense of inadequacy has come over me so stunning that I am not able now to call it a pleasure. The impossibility of a man like me saying anything worthwhile about the writings of a man like John has me quite literally, after all these years, paralyzed. But perhaps this will be God's way of reducing the flesh to a minimum and giving the Holy Spirit the best possible opportunity to do his eternal work. Amen? That is the peace and the confidence that I feel today in walking through the Gospel of John with you. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and turn there to John chapter 1, and we're going to be in the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. Now, what's interesting and what I love to do, especially when we start an entirely new book of Scripture, is just asking those basic questions of who and what, what's going on in this gospel. And of course, who is writing the gospel of John is, any guesses? The apostle John, right? One of the 12. Think about this. He was in Jesus's inner three, that he has this insight into what Jesus is doing. He is with him each and every day. And he writes down these things in this gospel, and he doesn't include everything, as we're going to see in just a minute, but everything that he does include, he does so for a purpose. And that purpose is to show us that Jesus is indeed the Christ and the Son of God. Amen? This is his purpose in all of this. You know, John's gospel is so simple, but at the same time, so profound. You know, I believe it was Augustine that said this. He says that John's gospel is deep enough for an elephant to swim in and shallow enough for a child not to drown in. Think about that. Think about that. That that is what we come to when we open up the gospel of John, is knowing that we're going to be able to understand it, but at the same time, there are things that we can never truly wrap our minds around. Amen? So it is with the nature of God. But today, we have the incredible opportunity to walk through that gospel. And before we read the scripture, when we pray, there's one thing, church, that I want to encourage you of, and it is the word believe. I ask you today, do you believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God? Remember, that's the entire purpose that John is writing his gospel. He says this in John 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See what he said there? That by believing you may have life in his name. You see, I hope that there are believers indeed in here today 
But you see, believers, for those of us who have already said yes to a relationship with Jesus, the truth still remains that we need to grow closer and closer to Jesus. Amen? But even if you're here today and you know that you're not a believer and you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus, I encourage you today, do you have what it takes to believe? And will you open up your heart for just a moment for God through his Holy Spirit to work? Because here's what I know is that God speaks through his word and his word never returns void. Amen? That he wants to speak, but he's simply asking us to believe. And church, I ask you, will you believe with me today? Whether you are already a believer, whether you are not, will we open up our hearts, our minds, and our ears to the truth of God's word? Because I know that he wants to speak. And he will speak. And he will show us his heart and his character through Jesus, the very word that we're talking about today. You know, there's one more story that I just have to share with you before we dive into the scripture. And it is this, Ravi Zacharias. Has anybody ever heard of Ravi Zacharias? He's one of the most well-known apologists, and he tours the country. And just time and time again, in colleges and universities, college students come up to him and they ask him questions about our Christian faith. And he answers those time and time again. But there was one time in particular I was listening to him, and this just absolutely struck me. Somebody said, well, Dr. Zacharias, I hear all of your answers about Jesus, but tell me, how do I experience him? How do I experience him? How do I get to know him? Because I just want to experience this Jesus that you talk about. This radically transformed your life, and church has radically transformed my life. And this was Dr. Zacharias' response. Read the Gospel of John three times through without prejudice and watch a miracle happen in your life. Wow. Read the Gospel of John three times through without prejudice and watch a miracle happen in your life. Church, will you believe with me today, and will we come expectantly to God's word? Amen? So let's do that. Picking up in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Let's read this together and pray. God's word says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Church, would you say grace and truth? Amen. John bore witness about him, and he cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Somebody say grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, 
who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Church, would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, we know that you are here and you are already moving in this place. So God, I pray that you would just continue to move here in this place in your church, this body of believers, God, and that you would continue to move in our hearts. Lord, we want to know you, God, so would you just draw us close to you through your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you speak to our hearts. Lord, I thank you for each and every person who's gathered here today, God, and we know that we are here because of divine appointment, Lord, and we are ready to hear from you. So God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, for those of us in the room who have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would just lead us to understand you in a deeper way, God, and that that would translate to a deeper love for you because, God, we love you. We love you so much, and we thank you for loving us. And God, for those in the room who don't yet have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, Lord, that you would remind them of the truth of your word, your son, Christ Jesus, and that Jesus would become alive in their hearts through faith and belief by the power of your Holy Spirit today. God, we're just so expectant and we're excited for what you're going to do. So Lord, just be with us now. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, hey, church, I've got a question for you real quick, and I'm going to preface it with this. This is going to be a really general question, but that's good because I want to leave it to where you can kind of apply it to your own life to get us started here in John with what John is really trying to do. And so here's the question. Have you ever had to think through something in your life? Think through something maybe really deep, right? Like for me growing up, this was math, okay? I am not a math whiz whatsoever. And so you start speaking math to me, and it's like hearing a completely different language, right? It's just deep stuff, but it forces me to think through it. Have you ever had to think through something like that in your life? Or maybe where you realize that something that you already know or learned, you've now kind of gotten out of line with that. And you say, well, hold on, let me think about that. Let me reevaluate where I'm at so that I can step back into that. I think we can all agree at one point or another that, yes, we've had to do that, right? Um, husbands, right, you've had to reevaluate some things in your relationship with your wife, right? Yes, parents, fathers, you've had to reevaluate some things as you parent your children, Right? Yes. Well, you know, I mentioned, you know, marriages. Well, the funny thing is that I am not yet married. Like I said, I am engaged, but I can promise you this, that in this season of engagement and wedding planning, I've had to think through some things, right? Because I realize that sometimes I can be kind of an unpleasant person. You know what I mean? Where like Katie can attest to this, I'm kind of this passive aggressive guy where, you know, when she's asking me things, she's like, well, what about the purple napkins? What about these, these tablecloths, this, this, this? I'm like, Yes. And guys, that is the right answer, right? It's the right answer, yes. But what I'm also learning is that you see, sometimes that passive aggressive nature in me gets me in trouble, right? Because she'll just decide on something, which I'm okay with, but then sometimes I'll come back and I'll be like, well, what about this? And she's like, why didn't you mention it, right? Where I've had to think through these things, right, and preparing my heart for marriage, and I'm so excited to marry her come December, right, but I'm learning new things about me that I would never have learned if it were not for her, right? I'm having to think through some things and reevaluate some things and say, okay, I know this to be true about our relationship, so let me reevaluate and get back in line for the good of my future marriage and my fiance, right? You all understand at least some point in your life in which that is the case. Well, you see, church, the reason that I ask you that question is because of this, is that we as Christians, believers in Christ Jesus, need to be above all people who would reevaluate and think through things of God. Amen? 
Because here is the thing. What's so beautiful about John is, remember, it is so deep, but at the same time, so practical. That God's Word is the most practical book on earth, but at the same time, it presents us with these deep things about Jesus that we have to think through. I pray that's what we would do in our time here together today, but also remember that it causes us to reevaluate because if God of the Word wrote the Word of God, that means that sometimes we're going to need to reevaluate our lives and get back in line with His Word. Amen? And so we need to be people, above all, who think through things, even deep things. How does it apply to my life? But then also reevaluate how can I get my life in line with God's Word. Amen? And you see, John does that beautifully. But what he does is he presents us with something deep. And he says, you're not going to be able to comprehend this, but God, through His Holy Spirit, is going to help you. And He's going to help us, church, Today, as we walk through John, listen to what John says here, starting verse 1 as we walk through this passage. He says, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Well, when is the beginning? It's well before time began. At the very beginning, when nothing that was created was created, and it was only God there in the stillness and the darkness. And it says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, I don't know about you, but words are powerful, right? If you've been in middle school or you are in middle school, you know that words are powerful, right? Words are powerful. And what John is saying is that the very Word, Christ Jesus, is the evidence of God's power and His might. Amen? That this is the Word, the eternal Word. You see that Word, the Word, it's really logos in Greek. And what that means in simple English is this, living revealer. John says that Jesus Christ was in the beginning, and if we want to know what God looks like, what his heart is like, look at Jesus. Amen? In the beginning was the Word. And he continues here, and he says, And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, there is so much in here that we are constantly going to just have to stop and say, God, would you help me to understand what your Word says? But it says the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, these verses tell us these things right here. Number one, that Jesus is pre-existent. That in the very beginning, that Jesus was with God, and he is also God. Amen? Mind-blowing. This is the truth of the gospel. It also says that Jesus enjoys a special relationship with God. That he has a deep intimacy with his Father, God. We see this later on in the Gospel of John, John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying the high priestly prayer, and he speaks of this intimate relationship with his Father. And this is something that is not new, for it existed from the very beginning. And the next thing that we learn is that he is himself deity. He is deity. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, what this does, Christians, is it presents us with an extremely important doctrine of our faith, and that is the Trinity, right? One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Now, if you are here in the room today and you say that you understand the Trinity, you're wrong. I'll just be quite honest with you because it's one of those things that we can never truly wrap our minds around, right? That we can use illustration after illustration. And I by no means try and am trying to present a perfect illustration to you, but God has. God has given us the perfect illustration of what he, the Trinity, is like right here in John chapter 1 because he calls Jesus what? The Word, right? Well, think about it this way. Is that if Father God speaks, we now hear the Word, Jesus, and the only way that we are able to see Him, hear Him, experience Him is through the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. vibration of vocal cords, right? Anybody? First time I heard that, I was like, what? What in the world? But it's so right on because this is what our God is like. Jesus, the word with God and was God. Verse two, he was in the beginning with God. In the very beginning, at the beginning of time, he was with him. What this tells us is that he is the agent of creation. That everything that God created, he created it through Jesus, right? Then think about it. If Father God is the artist, right? Then Jesus is the paintbrush in which he is creating everything. He is the agent of creation and at the same time, creator. Church, does this not just excite you? This incredible truth of who God is. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And we get to verse 4, and it says this, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, you see, we are introduced to two really important words that John uses often throughout his gospel, and those words are this, life and light. And it says that God gives life and he gives light. Think about all the way in the beginning at creation that he said, let there be light and there was. But now what John is saying is that through Jesus, God has created a new creation and Jesus offers spiritual life to all. All. Jesus offers a way to the Father for all. As a Southern Baptist preacher once said, I heard it this way. He says, all means all, and that's all it means, right? All, all. Remember, it says, this life was the light of men. Church, that means that no matter where you've come from, no matter who you are, despite your background, your past, your sin, your shame, you are never too far gone for the grace of God. Amen? For the light came in to the world. And he has now offered us life, life, true spiritual life, this life that we crave and that we truly need. And he offers salvation, this life through his son, Christ Jesus. But what this also means is that since the light has been cast on each and every one of us, it means that when we are presented with the truth of who Jesus is, we have a decision to make. And that is either to accept or reject who Jesus is and what he offers to us. Amen? We have a choice to make because you see there is no middle ground with the gospel. When we hear the gospel, we must then make a decision as to whether or not we are going to accept it or reject it. 
And now, church, I'm not trying to scare you today, but God's word tells us this, is that if we will accept the truth of who Jesus is, then we have eternal life beginning here and now, and we will be with him in glory. But if not, we will be in hell. Now, I understand that that's a controversial thing, that that's something that you don't hear many preachers talk about today is hell. But church, we don't really know each other just yet, but I can already tell you this. I love you too much to tell you anything other than the truth, because this is the truth. Jesus offers us eternal life, and the light has shined on all of us, and we now have a decision to make, and that decision is whether or not we will accept or reject. You can accept, you can reject, but this is clear. No one meets Jesus and stays the same. No one meets the Word. No one encounters Him. No one experiences the Word of God and remains the same. And this is all because the light has shined on us, and life is available to all. Amen? This is the truth of God's word. It also says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What that means is that we have light and darkness. We have good and evil. We have God, and we have an enemy. And make no mistake about it, the enemy is not God's equal, church. The enemy is not God's equal. Let me say that again. Because you see, God has rebels, but he has no rivals. Amen? There is none like him. He is the one. He is the only. So even though light and darkness exist, it says that the darkness has not overcome the light. And here's the good news of the gospel. It never will. It never will because we know how the book ends and we know that Jesus wins and we are his. This is the truth of the gospel. There is nothing that can stop a move of God. And it reminds me, even here today, Connection Church Pooler, Jesus makes a promise to us that there is absolutely nothing that will stop him from building his church, not even the gates of hell. Nothing. What an honor we have today to gather as the church and to read God's word and allow God to speak to us through it. And in verse 6, John continues, and he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. There's that word again. Did you know that believe is mentioned 98 times in the Gospel of John? That is more than the entire rest of the New Testament combined. John has one thing in mind, that we would believe that he is who he says he is. Now this John that John the Apostle is talking about is, of course, John the Baptist, and what John the Apostle tells us is that John has been sent into the world to bear witness about the light. It says that John himself was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, which was soon coming into the world. You see, what I see that John is trying to stir within us is this imagery, this imagination of what God has done through Jesus and John the Baptist. And I imagine it this way, as he is saying that God has set up an act. He has set up a play, right? And in, in completely unforeseen circumstances, the playwright has now entered the play, Jesus Christ himself. And you see, there's a witness who's sitting in the audience and he knows exactly who it is because he's in on it too. And because the playwright has put him there. The other scene that I believe God wants us to picture in our minds is one of a courtroom. 
And he's saying is what has happened is Jesus is on trial and we must decide who he is. And if he is who he says he is and he's done what he said he has done, well, he says the witness is John and God's verdict is already clear. Jesus is the Christ and the son of God. You see, men, we would come to a different verdict, but John had it all along because he was sent by God to bear witness about the light. This is what John's purpose is. And in verse 9, it continues, the true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was coming into the world. And you see what is completely beautiful about this is now we see God's heart. Remember from the very beginning that the word, Jesus Christ, shows us God's heart? Well, he now shows us that God's heart is for the world. His heart is for us. Whether we have a relationship with him or we don't yet have a relationship with him, do you know today, church, that you are the beloved of God? God loved you, and he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And now we have a responsibility to respond to that as to whether or not we're going to accept or reject that free offer of salvation, which costs Jesus everything but is completely free to you and to me. And this is what he is saying, is that God's heart is for the world, so he sent the word into the world, knowing he was going to be rejected, to die for the sins of the world. And here's the truth, Jesus would do it again. But there is no need to, because it is finished. As he ends his gospel with, in John chapter 20, 19 and 20, Jesus says, it is finished. The very purpose for which God the Father sent him into the world has been completed, but he comes into the world because of his love for the world. Church, do you know that you were loved by a God in heaven today? And in verse 10, he continues, and he says, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Do you see that word there? It says, the world did not know him. The world didn't know him. Well, the truth is that the world didn't only fail to know who he was. They knew good and well who he was. But we, humanity, rejected who he was. Because you see, church, I don't know about you, but I'm an extremely sinful man. I'm an extremely sinful person. And there are times when I get, it just seems like I'm hardwired this way, where I believe that I can earn my salvation. Okay, God, let me work my way towards you. And God knows our hearts. He knows the way that it is. But this is why he sent Jesus to completely shatter that all away. You see, it seems that sometimes I want Jesus on my own terms. But the truth of the gospel is that we have to receive Jesus on his, and there is no other option. Amen? For he is the word. He himself is the word of God. His own people did not receive him. The very ones who he came and he died to save. Because you see, to know him, to truly know and have a relationship with Jesus, it requires this of us. Repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. That if you are here today and you know that your heart's cry is just to simply believe, well, this is your next step, and it is repentance and faith. To say, God, I turn from my sins and now I walk towards you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are and that you have done for me exactly what you said you have done. Amen? This is our next steps and God lays that out in his word 
through the word, Christ Jesus. And he continues in verse 12, and what a beautiful truth. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God is what he says. This is what we are confronted with when we realize that the word of God has come into the world is that we realize that we are sinful and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But what we also realize is that Jesus has come to recreate just as he did in the very beginning. And he has already started, and some of us here in this room, we are products of that, of that new creation that Jesus has been doing. And it says that this is completely done by Jesus. That Jesus is the one who causes us to be reborn through the Holy Spirit, and we simply participate this via faith in Christ. Amen? That this is what it looks like to turn and believe in Christ Jesus as Lord. It's simply repentance and faith. And it says that when we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God begins to transform us from the inside out, and now everything about us has been changed. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says that everyone is a new creation in Christ. Amen? Behold, the old has gone and the new has come, is what he says. Everything about us has changed, and now through Jesus, we become royalty because of Jesus. Amen? Though we crowned him with a cross here, he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God and is enthroned over all of creation once again, just as he was in the beginning. But we can either accept or reject this. And to those who will accept this free offer of salvation through faith in Christ, you become children of God. This is the beautiful gospel truth that we are completely transformed. And in verse 14, where John is steering all of this to, he says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I don't know about you, but I don't even know where to begin. You know, Paul uses a phrase in his writings in Ephesians chapter 3 specifically, and he says, the immeasurable riches of Christ Jesus. Church, are you familiar with that term? The immeasurable riches of Christ Jesus. And the reason that he uses that word immeasurable is he's saying that we are going to spend the rest of our lives digging down deeper and deeper and deeper into the truth of who Jesus is, and we're never going to fully understand it. And it all hinges here in this verse with the truth that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That God, the Word of God in His glory, took on human flesh and walked among us, experienced everything that we experience on a daily basis, but still was without sin. Amen? Because only a perfect sacrifice can truly pay for our sins. Only a perfect one. And it says that Jesus has done this. And church, as I was praying through this and just asking God, show me what does this mean? What kind of implication does this have for me that the word became flesh? There were five things that God was putting on my heart that I want to share with you today. Feel free to take note of these things if you would like. And the first one is this. Because the word became flesh, it means that we cannot save ourselves. 
Saving ourselves is completely out of the picture. But because the word has become flesh, he is the only way to salvation, as he says later in John 14, 6, that I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. This is the truth. We cannot save ourselves, but thanks be to God through our Lord Christ Jesus, for he is the way. He is the way. We can only be saved by faith in Christ. The second thing, because the word became flesh, it means that there is a such thing as absolute truth, and he's a person. There is such thing as absolute truth, and he is a person. Now, church, I don't know if you realize this today, but you can't even change or even turn on the TV without seeing or hearing some kind of absolute truth, right? In fact, our faith is under attack almost every single day, it seems, because we claim to have the truth right? I've heard it said this way from Pastor David Platt. He says, well, is it offensive when we go to third world countries and we share the gospel with those whom we know God loves out of love for them? He says, is it offensive? Is it wrong? He says, only if our faith is wrong. But because it is right, it is the most loving thing in the world. We have an absolute truth, and his name is Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is no other way to God but through him. This is the big T truth. He is a person. The third thing it means is that we can't determine what is right and what is wrong. Because if the word of God is truly who he says he is, then what it means is that his word, the very word of God that we open in a reading today, it means that this is the absolute authority in our lives. And if this is the truth, if this is the absolute authority in our lives, what it means is that we have absolutely no reason at all to form our own opinions and live our lives based off of them. None at all. And I know that's hard to handle. I mean, it's hard for me because, like I said, I'm selfish and I like to live my own way. But remember, we as Christians, above all people, need to be the ones who are deeply thinking through the Word of God and asking God to bring us back in line with His Word. Amen? And this is the truth, is that if he's the absolute truth, then his word is the governing authority of our lives, and there is nothing else that is true in this world. Nothing. It is him and him alone. The fourth thing it means is this. It means that we are all equal. Equal. Regardless of gender. Regardless of race. Regardless of sexuality. We are equal. Equal, because the word became flesh like you and like me and was tempted but did not sin. We are equal and we are made in the image of God. And if we are equal, it means that we are equally guilty of sin. Remember that Romans 3.23 tells us that all have fallen short of the glory of God and we are equally able to be saved. We are equally able to be saved. There is absolutely nothing in your past or even your presence that disqualifies you from receiving and believing the gospel and becoming a new creation through Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. But church, we've got to open up our eyes in a, in a culture, in an age, which claims to have the absolute truth. Well, maybe we need to have grace and truth like Jesus to receive that some people don't just immediately change when they come to faith in Christ. 
It's an act and a process of the Holy Spirit. And when we realize what God has done to welcome us in and become children of God, well, maybe we would have the heart and love people to say, yes, because God has done it for me, God can do it for you too. That's the heart that God requires of us. And it's because of what the Word has done for us. And the fifth thing that it means is this. It means sin has been issued a death sentence. Let me say that again. Because the Word became flesh and was crucified on a cross, but the grave and death couldn't hold Him down. And three days later, He came up and defeated it all. It means that sin, God says to you, you are done. You are done. Remember, the enemy is no match for God. Remember that sin is not a problem for God because God has already dealt with it clearly at the cross. And He says, it is finished. It's finished. So we walk this life, life in the Spirit today, still being tempted by sin and still falling to sin, but we know that sin has no hold on us because it had no hold on Jesus. This is the truth of the gospel. And it is all because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it says that we have seen His glory Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That glory, what that word means is the same glory that filled the temple when God's presence filled it. But what God now says is there's no need for the temple and there's even no power in this place in which we gather together as the church for our temple is Christ Jesus. In Him, the Shekinah glory of God dwells fully. Is that not amazing? God's fullness perfectly in Jesus with God and is God. This is the word. And John continues in verse 16, excuse me, 15. John bore witness about him. And he cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. We still see that John the Baptist has this utmost humility to say that it's not about me and it's all about Jesus. Church, I wonder if that's truly our heart's cry and that it's not just something that we hang out there in the hallway on Sunday mornings, but that we would live it out in our daily lives, that it's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about me, and it's all about Him. And John has this well because he knows that he's been called to bear witness to the light. And in verse 16, as we close out here, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon Grace. From the fullness of God, we have received grace on top of grace, on top of grace, on top of grace. And it says that the grace that God gave us was the law. And that law was given through Moses. But you see, we are a hard-headed people, are we not? And just like Israel, we have taken the law out of context. And we believe the law to be this thing that we have to follow in order to have a relationship with God. But you see, what Israel missed and what we still miss today is that if we have said yes and placed our faith in Jesus, we already have a relationship with God. You see, this is what Israel missed. But the law was meant to show us that we can never measure up. That it is all about our imperfections and seeing those, but then feasting our eyes on the beauty and perfection of Christ Jesus. Amen? This is the gospel. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Look at the beauty there. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know what those words mean? Well, grace means this. Gracious, loving kindness. Gracious, loving kindness. And truth means this. Genuine covenant faithfulness. In Jesus, we have God's gracious, loving kindness and his genuine covenant faithfulness. Amen? This is the truth of the gospel, and this is who we have in the word that is Christ Jesus. And Jesus shows us the Father because he and the Father are one. Church, as we close here today, I simply ask you this question. Do you have the want? Do you have the desire to believe? Not that this is trickery. No, 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 no. This is about the Holy Spirit. And the truth is, is that if He is calling you into a relationship with Him today, you already know it. And I'm not here to see hands raised. There is nothing that changes about me because of this contentment that I have in Christ Jesus and knowing who the Word is. But what I do know is that the angels celebrate when one comes home to their father. Amen? When somebody says yes to Jesus, all of heaven has a party. And that's something that I want for you, out of love for you, is to begin this relationship with Jesus, realizing who he is. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Will you say yes? Will you believe? And that's something that the Holy Spirit empowers you to do. No one comes to the Father. But unless first the Holy Spirit draws him to himself. But I ask you, do you want to see him? Do you want to experience a relationship with God through Christ Jesus? All you have to do is say yes, for Jesus shows us to him. You know that word made him known in verse, in verse 18? It says that Jesus made him known. Well, you know, there's a technical term for deep Bible study, and it's this, exegesis. Anybody ever heard that term before? Exegesis? It's the exact same word there as made him known. And what God is telling us is that Jesus has exegeted God. And he's put him on full display. That if we want to worship God, look to the cross. If you want freedom from sin and addiction, look to the cross. If you want to begin a new life through the power of the Holy Spirit, look to the cross and believe. And God does the rest. Amen? So church, I ask you this simple question. If that's you here today... And you know, and maybe you're just raising your hand because you're like, I'm ready to get out of here. This dude's been talking way too long. It's all right, fam. I understand. It happens. Sorry. <laughs> Would you just raise your hand in the air and say that, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, and I want that beginning today. Is that anybody in this room? And if not, that's okay. That's okay, church. Because what it means is that if we're not saved, we're asking God to continue to work on our hearts. And God will show us himself. He will show us himself. And even if we're believers here in the room, God wants us to know him deeper. And he wants us to love him more when we realize just how much he loves us, enough to send his son to die for us. Amen? That's something that we can grow in. We can encourage one another as a body of believers. And so I want to pray that God would continue to move here in Pooler, draw us closer together as a tight-knit community, those redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that we would continue the good works that he's called us to do. Is that all right? Well, church, would you pray with me?
God, we love you so much. And Lord, I thank you for moving in this place. And God, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would continue to speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would make your word clear. And that, Lord, that we would marvel at the truth of who Jesus is. That if we have a relationship with you, God, including myself, Lord, I pray that daily, God, I would be reminded of who you are. And I would live my life in response to the grace and the loving kindness, God, that you have shown me in sending your son to die for me. And I pray the same for each and every person here in the room who has said yes to a relationship with you. God, for those in the room who don't yet have a relationship with you, God, I know and I trust that there's still a work in progress. And Lord, I joyfully ask you, God, to continue to work on their hearts, Lord, and draw them closer and closer to you. Lord, keep them involved in this community. Lord, may nothing deter them, but rather may your Holy Spirit draw them. God, would you just speak to them and draw them close to you. Lord, we thank you again today on this wonderful Father's Day for all of our fathers and the spiritual leaders that they are for us. And God, I pray that you would grow us and you would mold us more into the image of Christ, Lord, so that we can be spiritual leaders to those around us. That in encountering us, that people can see the word of God, Christ Jesus, alive in us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Because God, we want to see Pooler, Lord, come to know you in an incredible way. So God, would you use your church and would you grow your church, Lord, to make sure that your name is known and your glory is seen all over this earth. God, we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said.